0: Thank you for listening to the Faith Free Lutheran Church Sermon Archive. Today's sermon for the 16th Sunday after Trinity, September 19th, 2021, is preached by Pastor Jason Goodham. If you have questions or comments regarding today's message, please call the church office at 612-824-5527 or visit our website at faithlutheran-aflc.org. Good morning again. Special welcome to those of you who are visiting us this morning. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I would at this time invite you to stand as I read our Old Testament lesson appointed for this Sunday. The sermon text is taken from Jeremiah chapter 11, verses 18 through 20, can be found on page 1192 of your Pew Bible if you'd like to follow along, reading in Jesus' name, Jeremiah chapter 11, verses 18 through 20. The Lord made it known to me, and I knew, then you showed me their deeds." But I was led, but, but I was like a gentle lamb, led to the slaughter. I did not know it was against me, they divide schemes, saying, "Let us destroy the tree with its fruit. Let us cut him off from the land of the living, that his name be remembered no more. But, O Lord of hosts, who judges righteously, who tests the heart and the mind, let me see your vengeance upon them, for to you I have committed my cause. Heavenly Father, these are your words, and your word is truth. We pray that this morning you would sanctify us in the truth, that you would convict us of sin in our lives where that is necessary, and that you would comfort and encourage us with the promises of your gospel. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. We need to clarify something right from the get-go this morning, just to make sure I set us all up properly. Our Old Testament lesson this morning is about Jesus. It is definitively, specifically, and gloriously about Jesus. And we will get there eventually, but not yet. It's because in our desire to make sure God's word remains about Jesus, we can often miss that it is also speaking about God's people. Sometimes it is speaking against our sin, preparing us for Jesus. And sometimes it is speaking about the great many blessings God has poured out on us because of Jesus. But much of the time when the Bible is speaking about the people of God, it is speaking about our suffering. Now that shouldn't surprise us. My guess is that most of you are aware of that reality. We've touched on suffering during the sermons quite frequently during this year on the Old Testament lessons. But there's a particular angle of suffering that our Old Testament lesson presents here this morning. God's seeming lack of activity when it comes to our suffering. We know we suffer... We know we suffer because of sin in the world, either our own sin or the sins of others that is often beyond our control, but what we, especially as Christians in particular, struggle with is when God allows our suffering. When God sits back and watches our suffering play itself out, or at least that's how it feels, that can and does often seem unfair to us. And that's exactly the perspective we're going to take up here in Jeremiah 11. So the first reality from these three verses is that God knew Jeremiah's suffering. God never promised Jeremiah that it would be easy. Built into the description of Jeremiah's call in chapter 1 are God's warnings that it wouldn't be easy. Jeremiah 1.8, God tells Jeremiah in his call to be a prophet, do not be afraid of them. Okay, now, I want to illustrate why this is important because I think we're so familiar with passages like this, we just take it for granted. Now, imagine that you have a friend who raises domesticated tigers. Okay, it's just one of those things... You have this friend, and, and, and at least in North Dakota, as far as the zoos that I've been to are concerned, when North Dakotans start a zoo, what they do is they take one of those corn silos, and they put a cougar inside of it, or a tiger. Or whatever. It's just, like, or I grew up when Mayville, North Dakota still had a zoo. And, and literally the entire zoo in Mayville were these corn silos that, that basically were round cages, and they'd put animals with like some artful twigs and logs and stuff, and they'd call it a habitat. Right? So let's say you have this friend who is trying to domesticate tigers, and, and you want to see the tigers, so he opens the small door into the tiger cage, and then he says, don't be afraid of this tiger. <laughs> yeah, right. The reason God tells Jeremiah not to be afraid of the people he's sending Jeremiah to as a prophet is because those people are waiting to eat him alive. They're waiting to destroy him. And God actually clarifies this a few verses later. Jeremiah 1:16 and 17. I will declare my judgments against them for all their evil in forsaking me. They have made offerings to other gods and worshiped the works of their own hands. But you, dress yourself for work, arise, and say to them everything that I command you. Do not be dismayed by them, lest I dismay you before them. Get. don't worry, I'll take care of you. Because there's nothing more that humans enjoy than being told that they're wrong and having their faults and their shortcomings highlighted. That always goes well when God sends people to do that. Jeremiah knew his job was going to be a battle. For the most part, in spite of the fact that Jeremiah was indeed a sinner, and we can identify that, Jeremiah was faithful to his task as a prophet. But it was still difficult And so Jeremiah pens these words in Jeremiah 11. The Lord made it known to me, and I knew. Then you showed me their deeds, but I was like a gentle lamb led to the slaughter. I did not know it was against me they devised these schemes, saying, let us destroy the tree with its fruit. Let us cut him off from the land of the living, that his name may be remembered no more. Now there is one thing, the people of God specialize in throughout Scripture and even throughout the age of the church. And that is, we are exceptional at killing the messenger. We are exceptional at blaming the one whom God has sent to speak for the words that he speaks. Jeremiah himself, not God, was the target of plot after plot to silence abuse or outright destroy him. Read through the book of Jeremiah, which happens to be the longest book in all of Scripture. Jeremiah was thrown by his own people into a mud pit, into a cistern to die. Jeremiah was carried off into exile in Egypt, not even to Babylon. He was got carried off in the second-rate exile to Egypt. The king himself upon reading Jeremiah's prophecy, burned the entire scroll, strip by strip, in an open fireplace. It's actually dismaying the level of crime Jeremiah endured because God commissioned him to be his messenger. And it's even more dismaying that it seems that God sat by and did nothing after prescribing this reality to Jeremiah. That's the setup. The truth behind the setup, though, is that God knows your suffering. What goes for Jeremiah goes for you, and it's obviously even more personal. How many times have you purposed... Have you determined to follow God in all your words and in all your ways? How many times have you dedicated yourself to be faithful to God and to His Word? And even in your earnestness and in your sincerity and in your commitment, you've known it wasn't going to be easy. If you've been paying attention to anything the Bible or the church has to say about the Christian life, you'll realize with eyes wide open that multiple times in both the Old and the New Testament, God promises that his people will be under attack by Satan and by the world. Jesus warns us again and again that his disciples will be the targets of persecution. We see this regularly carried out in the book of Acts with the apostles and throughout history as the church has been targeted by the world it goes on even today if you've been paying any attention to how christians have been mistreated in the middle east or in china you know that persecution is a very real thing and yet it still stings when god does nothing it's discouraging and deflating when you've seemingly done everything right and your suffering persists. That's when the questions start to come Doesn't God care? Is He paying attention to what's going on in my life? Has He abandoned me altogether? You end up feeling exactly like Jeremiah the subject of schemes, of slander, of attack. Wondering what God's going to do and when he's going to do it. And yet, there's one wrinkle going on here that bubbles just under the surface. And as much as I try to find it addressed in Scripture, our age is the inventor of this reality. There's another class of Christian for whom suffering is entirely foreign. And it's a class of Christian that says, for me to be a good Christian, everything has to be in order. Everything has to be perfect. I cannot admit that I'm suffering because that would mean I'm unsatisfied with what God has given me. So this person deceives themselves that suffering isn't real. This person deceives themselves that suffering is a matter of a positive attitude and overcoming it through the validation of your faith with success and well-being. In either one of these situations, there is a message here in Jeremiah. For the person who is going through suffering, the message is a little bit more obvious. For the person who denies suffering, there is a fallback. There is a net for you when you realize that you do suffer. And here's the reality. God suffers for you. This is the precise time when it is appropriate to us, for us to return back to that reality in the Old Testament lesson. This passage is about Jesus. It is definitively, specifically, and gloriously about Jesus. Now what prophecies like this in the Old Testament tell us is that God hasn't been doing nothing. God is not sitting idly by. God is not ignoring you. God does care. The reason we know this is that God has suffered too, and He has suffered in the same way we suffer. Jesus was subject to the plots, and the schemes, and the attacks of the world, even of the people of His own ethnicity. Jesus was subject to the humiliation of His passion, a secret and illegal trial, a public mocking, a brutal beating, into gruesome and inhumane execution. Jesus, in fact, was quite literally slaughtered. And all this time, God the Father seemingly did nothing to the point where Jesus Himself cries out from the cross, My God, My God, why have You forsaken Me? But all this happened so that God could answer your fears about how He feels about you. God forgives you. He redeems you and He saves you all because God suffered and died in your place and because of you. Jesus is the sacrifice for your sins. And Jesus is the guarantee that God does and will continue to care about you for all eternity. One of my favorite verses from the book of Romans says this, "'If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things?' If this morning, you find yourself in the midst of suffering, even of suffering that threatens to overwhelm you, and you are tempted or you are prone to wonder if God has abandoned you or if he's judging you because you are some particular and unique class of evil, the answer for you in your suffering is that God sees Jesus on the cross in your place. That God's opinion of you is his crucified and risen son. And for those of you at the other end of the spectrum, wearing yourselves out by denying suffering, by trying to put your life together to the point that it always looks perfect and it always looks holy and it always looks put together, that message is also for you. You don't need to burn yourself out with the self-deception and deception of others that you are okay. That's not how God evaluates you. He evaluates you by His crucified and risen Son. In light of this, then, the last verse of the Old Testament lesson is especially significant. But, O Lord of hosts, who judges righteously, who tests the heart and the mind, let me see your vengeance upon them, for to you have I committed my cause. Three realities exist for us as our examination of this section of Jeremiah 11 comes to a close. One, God judges righteously. Two, God tests And knows your mind and heart. And three, God judges sin and takes vengeance on his enemies. Without that first reality, without the first truth about God and his righteousness, this concluding verse should absolutely terrify us because you're a sinner. You've rebelled against God. You've tried to replace God with yourself. God knows this and even more about your sin than you know yourself. And the promise rings true. God can and will exact revenge against his enemies. The inconvenient truth is that in our sin, we stand as an enemy of God but with the knowledge that God has suffered and died in your place, this last verse is a tremendous word of promise and comfort and hope. Because God judges righteously. God doesn't make mistakes. And because of Christ and in Christ, He has judged you to be righteous. He has judged you to be holy. God has done this because He knows your mind and your heart. He has done this because you desperately need it. And in so doing, God has already, in fact, exacted revenge on His enemies. They are conquered. Your sin, all death, and the devil are all defeated foes because of the cross and the empty tomb. God judges righteously. He doesn't ignore your sin. He doesn't sit back and wait for you to prove yourself worthy of His love. God took the initiative and in your shame, in your suffering, and in all of life threatening to overwhelm you, God stepped into human history and he made you his own. And he judges righteously. And he continues to judge righteously. And when the next event in life goes sideways... And when the next thing threatens to crush and overwhelm you, God judges righteously. And if today you are sitting there with either that reality or the shame of your sin or both, God judges righteously. And as you approach this altar and receive the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, He still judges righteously. And this is His judgment. You are forgiven. God's opinion of you isn't based on your performance or on your circumstances. It is based on Christ. And what God freely offers you today and every Sunday is Christ. All of Christ for you. All of Christ in your place. Amen. And now, the peace of God which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.